try and keep it short and sweet tonight because I know there's probably, who's got family stuff going on tonight and I'm sure all day tomorrow, I want to respect that. But at the same time, we want to really uh, gear in so uh, to what Jesus has to say to us tonight so that all that family time can be amplified in intimacy and rejoicing. Uh, because Jesus, that's what he does. He takes what we believe is normal and he makes it extraordinary. And I believe he's going to do that tonight in this moment and continue that on if we continue to step, with, step in with him. So I, I want to I wanna start off by sharing a story with you. How many of you have ever gotten a love letter in your lifetime? Or, or have given one? For those that have given one, was it creepy? How many, how many have given someone a token of your affection? A gift? Something? Okay. How many have had those rejected? Anybody? I'm going to put two hands up. I remember when I was in elementary school, every Christmas, uh, before we would go on break, they would have this little store opened up where you could buy all these little knickknacks for your classmates. Did anyone ever have something like that? And you had to be on good behavior and earn certain amount of points and stuff. And the amount of behavior points that you get determine what you can afford to buy. And I was always poor around that time of year. But there was a day or a time in fourth grade when a new girl came to town, never forget it, and she was so mysterious, and she was quiet, and I thought, oh, and I thought I was the king of elementary school, which was not the case I found out shortly after this. (laughs) And I thought, you know what? I'm a sentimental guy. I'm a hopeless romantic at 10 years old, so... I'm going to earn as many good behavior credits as I can and buy her something great, and then she'll have to be my fourth grade girlfriend. And so I was on good behavior. It was painful for me. It really was. It was absolutely painful. And so I I tried as hard as I could, and I got all these points, and I got not just one good gift. I got like two of them. And I thought, okay. I'll get one for in case she says no, and then if I give her a second one, she has to say yes, right? There's a lot of good, good attitude, good behavior points on the line here. So I remember I did everything I could. I put as much energy into getting these gifts, and I was so excited. We had our, we had our last day party going on, and I gave her this gift, which represented it was more than just the gift, Seriously, it really was. It was me being contrary to who I was. And, and I, I was always fidgety and getting in trouble. I wasn't mean or anything. I just was, I was very ADD. I mean, it was like squirrel, squirrel, squirrel all the time. <laughs> they had to put me in self-control classes. True story, the same year. So it was an uphill battle. So a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in stillness, which is, again, contrary to my nature. And... I see her sitting there. She's looking really cute. I remember she had this little pink ribbon in her hair, and everyone's doing the Christmas gifts. And here I go, and I'm like, I am so confident this is going to work. So confident. And so I don't, I don't know how where anyone learns this in fourth grade, but I hand her the gifts. I said, here, I'd love for you to be my girlfriend. She looked at me, and she goes, no. <laughs> like disgusted with me. I said, come again? She was like, no. I 
And I went, whoa. First thought, that was mean. <laughs> but it was my first, I, I remember it was like this rejection, but I remember how much I put into it and how much I had hoped she would receive it because it represented much more than she saw in just the box. And when we, when we celebrate Christmas, we have an idea of what we're getting, but we forget everything behind it and beyond it. So when we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of God into the world through his son, Jesus Christ, who lived and he died. And we go, yay, man, a savior is born. And Mark actually stole my passage for tonight. He didn't even know that. So he already read most of it. But I, I want to pay attention to something in Luke chapter 2. When the angels come to the shepherds, Okay, we have at the same time, we've got the wise men, you know, they're coming and they're, they're going so far to get to Jesus because they know that there's more than just this Savior. There's something grander playing out, something more than just the King of the Jews. There's something grander happening. And the angels come to these shepherds, as we heard from Mark, and said, do not be afraid. Now, when many of us come into an encounter with the Lord, there sometimes can be a fear because Jesus leads us into the unknown. He leads us to places in our lives we never thought we would go. That's really cute, by the way. Good distraction. <laughs> I know, it's just like me, a squirrel. Here we go. I can roll with that. Apparently, I can't because I totally forgot what I was talking about. But there was more than met the eye. And so, do not be afraid. And oftentimes we can be afraid because of the unknown. And so that's why I said, do not be afraid because the angels are here. That's a scary thing. Why? Because they don't know why they're there. And something, something divine is happening that has never happened to them before. They're shepherds. They're simple guys. And something unknown is happening. So they're frightened, but they're told, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people today in the town of David, a what is born? Fill in that. A Savior. A Savior is born. We're going to revisit that in just a second. And after they go to see Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they go and they spread the word. Now, if you've been here over the last few weeks in our Christmas series, Jesus came to reveal himself, to make himself known. And as people who have Jesus written on their hearts, what is our responsibility to make him known? So here he makes himself known, and the, and the shepherds are, whoa. And what do they do? They go and make what they've seen and experienced, which is Jesus, known to everyone they encounter. And they go glorifying and praising him for all the things that they have heard and seen. Praising, glorifying. These are shepherds. And something has happened. So I started thinking about this word Savior. And I know growing up, I grew up in the church. How many grew up in the church? Okay. Well, growing up in the church, you can hear, depending on what church you went to, you hear very, you, you hear similar approaches to that word, and some will hear different ones. But the one I got was, here we have a Savior that's been born to save us from something. Save us from sins. Save us from shame, from death. All of these things, and then we live our lives accordingly. Here's a Savior, Jesus Christ, and we want to make, himself, make him known through us because he saved us from something. 
But this is just the beginning, and I want tonight for us to think, walk away thinking about something. Not about what he saved us from. That's good, but we don't want to stay there. What did he save us for? Not just what he saved us from, but what did he save us for? Because when you think about a Savior, it's not just about what he's saving us from, but also what he's saving us for. What's this whole thing about? Just that I would be free from my sins? That's huge. It's monumental. It is one of the greatest gifts. But there's more to it. And we can't take the birth of Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus and just say it's about being saved from something. We were saved for something. And I would argue that if you go, if you go down the road and you say, well, we were saved for relationship with him, for this, for that. Why? Why? You can keep asking why. And then I think the last thing you get to is because of his good pleasure. It's simply that. That he loves us. That he died for us. He did all those things. For his good pleasure. See, we were, we were saved not just from sin, not just from death, but that, so that we could be also saved for an everlasting relationship that will continue to deepen and get bigger and greater the more we stick in it and with it. See, when you get married, you got all that. I remember this because I, I threw up the morning of and Everything. <laughs> Vividly. I was so nervous. I was nervous. And you, you enter in and things are hopefully, you know, hopefully if everything's healthy, is good, it's, it's, it's exciting. You're like, yes, we've arrived. You haven't arrived anywhere yet. Correct? <laughs> yeah. Your single days are over. This is over. So in a, in a sense, just for my story to work here, okay, you're looking across someone, a relationship that is saving you from something, and now you're moving, and we go, yes, I'm here, but no, you haven't done anything yet. You got there, that's great, that's the first step, but now the real work begins. You explore and experience a relationship of intimacy that drives you bonkers, that challenges you, that can be to a point, lead you to a place like, oh, I can't do this anymore. But then something happens, and, and when you continue to stay in it, you find the intimacy just bam, and it gets deeper and better and wonderful. What do you think it's like with Jesus if we continue to engage him and make him known in everything that we do? If we stop just focusing on, if, if we can graciously move from identifying, yes, we're saved from something, but now we are also saved for something even greater than ourselves that will be so exciting because it's for God's good pleasure. Because he chose to create us so that he could love us. That's huge. We are created with purpose and intentionality, not just to be saved from, but to be saved for. See, even the writer in Hebrews says that, yes, we want to repent, we want to recognize that we are saved from something, but if we can continue to circle that and just live in that, that's what he calls living on milk alone. We need to move to solid food, which means there's more beyond it because we were not just saved from something, but for something. And when we step in the four, then we begin to, to chew solid food and benefit from the riches of the intimacy and the hard work and the challenges that come with walking with Jesus. 
And when people see that, that's one of the greatest evangelistic tools there is because you're making God known. When you, when you admit, I don't have all the answers, but I'm staying with Jesus. I'm upset with him right now. I don't know why, you know, bad things happen, but he seems to be the guy that gets the, the blame. But the Lord stays with us, and when we stay with him, that means people watch that person, watch you, and they go, God's approachable. He's not easily offended. He's going to stay with us and help us process because there's something deeper. He saved us for this. To have this wonderful, rich, messy relationship in which we know our God the way that he came and meant to be known. And so my question tonight as we go into our family times to go into those wonderful spaces of joy and giving how are you going to respond to the next part of that? Of he saved us from, but he saved us for. What is that for you? Because that's something that we always have to ask ourselves every day, Christian or not, especially if you're a Christian. It doesn't mean when you accept Jesus, that's it, your behavior's fixed and no more challenges. When you're married, it's a challenge. It's hard. It, it doesn't mean, you know what? Everything's hunky-dory I got here. No. You really just stepped into the most challenging relationship you're going to have on this side of heaven. But a good one. A great one. So how are we going to respond? Because I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Thinking about doing Christmas messages the rest of my life drives me crazy. It does. It does. Because you come to these things, hopefully you hear something inspirational, and then you wait till the next year and hopefully you'll get something else. But I hope we're talking about something even deeper than we are now. And I don't mean as far as value, but as far as intimacy goes, that we're in another, another place together as a church family because we're continually walking with Jesus and not just staying here. We celebrate, absolutely, but we don't stay there. We don't stay in the safe from, we're the safe for as well. And when we step into that, we find that this season will mean even more to us. And it will, it will overflow to every single day that we can breathe in and out not just a seasonal thing. Jesus didn't come to be a seasonal celebration, and that's it. He, became, he came to be known, and for you to know how much he loves you every day, every single day. So the question isn't, what are you going to do about this tomorrow? It's, what are you going to do about this now? How are you going to respond right now in this moment? Because he's, he wants to pour himself out to us now. When you leave this place and hopefully survive getting through the parking lot, And it doesn't have to be these big theological things. It could be simple things. Maybe, like for me, he just says, Brendan, please be still (laughs) for a moment. So you can see me in a way that you haven't. I can do that. He's not asking me to move mountains. He's asking me to be still, which is moving a mountain for me. But (laughs) do you get my point? So how are we going to respond? individually, and how are we going to respond as a church family? What does this mean for us to live in the saved for and not just the saved from? Because it's a whole other world and a whole other level of intimacy that God wants to pour in and out of us. Easy, right? 
God is good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, and we thank you that you love us for your good pleasure. That we are created not because you need us, because you wanted to pour yourself out for your good pleasure. We thank you with every fiber of our being from what you saved us from. I thank you that we are free from shame and death and sin, those of us who choose to walk with you. I hope that's never overlooked. But Lord, we thank you that we can move beyond that as you've called us to and also live in what we were saved for, and that's to walk with you day in and day out to struggle, to wrestle so that we can see you even more clearly, love you even more deeply, and be influenced by you and nothing else. So we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would reveal him in all that we say and do the little things and the big things. The things that are significant and the things that seem insignificant. We pray that we would allow ourselves to let you be known through us and in us. Because you are worthy to be praised. We thank you. Lord, we pray that you would bless this time as we continue in worship and that we would begin to ask the question, Lord, How do I respond? What do you want to say to me? And how do you want me to respond in this moment? In this moment. Until the next one comes. Pray that you'd bless the offering. That all that we give. One we would know is a privilege. Lord we love you. And you have complete access. So we ask that you'd bless whatever we bring to you. Money. Time. Relationship. And you would use it for your kingdom and your glory. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.